Raptor, what is your opinion on your living conditions? And um, what what do you think about the meaning of of the the pet human relationship? Huh? Not much. <laughs> Rusty Quill presents enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about pets. And I am ecstatic to be joined by Lydia, Sue and Tessa. As always, we are going to introduce ourselves alphabetically. So, Lydia, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Pronouns she or they them. And what do I do? I suppose at, at Rusty Quill, I have done Magnus and Rusty Quill Gaming, and uh, I hope they keep employing me, you know, <laughs> see what, what comes next. I'm, ex- I'm as excited as you to find out. <laughs> well, I'll certainly keep you on the roster for enthusiasm, so you at least have that under your belt. Yay! I've got so many things I'm thrilled about. <laughs> and Sue, what are your pronouns and what do you do? She, her... Uh, I was Gertrude in Magnus Archives, and I also happen to be the mother of Johnny, who wrote the thing. Currently, I am actually proofreading uh, his and Sasha's new game book, mm. which I think they've done via Kickstarter, uh, which should come out not immediately because it's still got to be proofed, but it's quite exciting. And I can say that the mini game settings are absolutely Fabulous and often quite hilarious as well, as you might expect. Right, that's enough promotion. <laughs> so that's some skills. Just like not going to check if we're asked to promote anything at the end. It's going to get right in there. Right in there. <laughs> and last but not least, Tessa, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do? Whenever you say last but not least, I always am like, well, who is least then? No one here is least. <laughs> My pronouns are she, they, and I do sound editing for Rusty Quill. So I've been doing Rusty Quill gaming sound design for two years. Wow. And I'm just starting on the vocal cuts for Enthusiasm. So I might be editing this episode, in which case, hello. (laughs) Right. So let's leap into it, please. Everybody, tell me about your pets so that I can vicariously live through them. Tell me what pets you got. Tell me their names. I want to hear it all. Would anyone like to start? I would love to start. I always want to talk about Tika. So I have a dog. Her name is Tika. She's a German Shepherd mix. Uh, She's got little white spots on her paws and the tip of her tail is white. And and she has a black spot on her tongue. I don't know why, but it's just there. Anyway, she's very cute. She always likes to lie on your feet. I taught her how to make eye contact. So now she just lies there and stares at me uh, while I'm trying to work. But yeah, I really, I really love Tika. And I've always had dogs in my life, but Tika is the first pet that is officially mine. Like I'm paying for her medical bills, which are quite expensive because she's grimy and eats everything. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh no. What's the worst thing she's eaten? The worst? I mean, she had lake water recently, which meant that she ended up with Giardia. Oh no. That's not like the worst thing. She's over it now. Oh, she also ate the plug off of the vacuum cleaner <laughs> and she ate my my childhood stuffed animal. <gasps> oh. <laughs> No, no competition for Tessa's love. <laughs> Only Tika. Oh, gosh. Sue, how about you? Tell me about your pets. Well, at the moment, we only have one. Mm. We have um, a cat, Cressida, Cressy. All our cats have had Shakespearean names. So Cressy is very, very sweet and everybody loves her and she loves everybody. So if you have a visitor, she will go and sit on their lap and make them stroke her and and they all think she's the nicest cat they've ever met. And she's very, very sweet. The, The only problem is... She likes, like a lot of our cats have done, and I'm sure other people's cats, she likes to sleep with you. Mm. But she's not a very, what shall we say, quiet sleeper. (laughs) And, you know, every every half an hour or so, she decides she's a bit bored or has worries about the universe or something like that. And so she starts walking around on you and, and pushing her whiskers against your face, which is quite quite good at waking you really <laughs> we've had cats who are worse than that we we had one sebastian basti and um he had canine teeth which were rather like saber-toothed tigers they sort of stuck out of his mouth a little bit you know Aww. and um when he was particularly keen on waking you generally about four o'clock in the morning <laughs> he would very delicately insert one of those canine teeth up your nostril <laughs> I can assure you, it was very good at waking you up. (laughs) I remember one time I was staying over at a friend's who has, I think they've got two cats now, but I was, I was going to sleep on the sofa, but I would like move around and like, when I went over my eyes, the cat just had his paw hovering over my face as if he was about to boop me on the forehead. <laughs> uh, like, every time I opened my eyes, he was just about to do it. So eventually I put the blanket over my head and then he went away. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia, tell me about your pets. I have four chickens. They are called Raptor, Static, Bandit and Beans. Oh. Or two of them are nearly a year old and two of them are about eight months old. And we kind of have a half pet in the... We agreed to feed the cat that our neighbour fed when she went into hospital, but then she had to go into a care home afterwards. So we still feed that cat, but that cat does not like people. So Ah. uh, she doesn't come inside, but she sits outside and she meows. She has her set food times and if we're late she lets us know (laughs) and a couple of times we've been away and so had someone like cat sit so they just come in and put food out at the right times and make sure that she's got her water and and everything and people sometimes have like a savior complex where they're just like i will tame this feral cat that hasn't gone into a house and then i get these like more and more disappointed texts over the course of a week being like (laughs) Uh, I tried to stroke her and now she won't come into the garden. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, some some animals, it's like you have a relationship, but it is not a close one and you accept that. But yeah, I I spend a lot of my time uh, out in the garden with the chickens and see the cat twice a day. But yes, talked a lot about this cat when in fact it's the chickens that dominate my life. (laughs) Yell in the morning, yell in the evening, lay an egg. Squawk. <laughs> Asked to speak to the manager. 
you know that's that's the general general gist they're they're good they're good chickens they do good chickening oh i've never spotted them not being a chicken ah well that's always good to know i had one chicken that used to act like a duck (laughs) (laughs) see because we had we had six chickens and six ducks for a while and the the one of the chickens we got young at the same time as we got three of the ducks. And so it just went around with them and it would try to go into the water and oh, stuff no. and get wet. And, it, and then it was like, I don't understand why this is not working for me in the way it's working for my compatriots. Yeah, so I had a chicken that acted like a duck. So tragic. It, the, it was tragic. The, the, there's so much that they don't understand. Like... You can look at them and sometimes people are like, oh, they're surprisingly clever when they work out like how to get some food out of your hand. But they don't see when the chicken runs towards a door and then accidentally overshoots and is on the other side of the door. Like, you know, they're around the back of the door and then they're kind of panicking because they're like, why can't I get into my run? And they can't work out until you shut the door or pick them up and take them on the other side. And it's like, this is where the entranceway is. You just... You got stuck behind the door. There's, yeah, the people are always like, you know, since you got chickens, don't you have more respect for them as complex creatures? And I, I look at my chickens and I'm like, you can love a creature and know its limits. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that applies to to a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. humans too, I guess. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's like that whole thing of, you know, you treat an animal best when you treat it as the animal it is. You don't just like. This is what a human would want, mm. so I will do this. Like, yes. Oh, they, they like routine. Yeah, that's quite yeah. true. As far as chickens are concerned, my husband was telling me yesterday, in one of the games he was running, one of the players, uh, when they were rolling up their uh, characters, there was a... Um, I can't remember exactly which quality it was, but he rolled um, very, very low. So Paul um, told him that um, he could have the the special gift of talking to chickens. Amazing. (laughs) The chap was very, very pleased and said, oh, that'd be really interesting to know what chickens have to say. And Paul said, no, 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 no. You can talk to the chickens, but they don't talk back. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's such a curse. Yeah, I've become more and more convinced that chickens are basically saying just about everything that humans say to one another they're just being more efficient Mm. like the way that they squeak to each other it kind of means several different things it's like uh who are you Uh, i know you do you know me i know you i know you i know you (laughs) who's in charge i'm in charge who's in charge I, i think it's me no no you're in charge that's basically what they're saying and sometimes I'm over here, I'm over here, where are you? And then, I'm over here, I'm over here, where are you? In return. Uh, like, that's basically what they're saying, constantly. Trying to meet someone at a London tube station. Yeah! <laughs> it's basically, where are you? Get out of the way. Like, do you know who I am? I know who you are. Do you know who I am? I'm the boss. Yeah, exactly. I'm boss. Or like, I'm not boss, you're boss. I found food. Yeah, exactly. Get out of the way, that's my food. I mean, they're most of the conversations I have in the day if you actually boil it down. You know? <laughs> Lid, which of your chickens is the boss then? Oh, Raptor is the boss. Ah, 
I see. I should have guessed from the name. But everyone's afraid of static. Everyone is afraid of static. Yeah, like this is because I I do stream them and I I do tweet about them. I I, I worry that I am already I'm telling people things they already know. Like even Raptor is afraid of static when static's Ooh. in a mood. A static is the smallest chicken by quite a long way. Oh, naturally the most dangerous. But but she's number two. And I think the only reason that she's not number one is that because Raptor has a big head crest, mm. she can't always see where the treats are. So, like, Static can just get whatever she wants. <laughs> and she doesn't have to have all the bother of, like, being in charge. She just runs around after Raptor and, and nicks the treats anyway. So <laughs> she's very much the power behind the throne. She's She's got, you know, Grand Vizier vibes. <laughs> It reminds me of how the small dogs are the ones who always think that, who are always like the ones with the most attitude. And the boss. You you see a German shepherd walking next to a Yorkshire terrier, you know who's the boss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a cocker spaniel. He would eat almost anything. Um, not cucumber. We didn't like <laughs> cucumber. We found this out when we were on holiday and we were visiting a stately home and we left Bilbo, Bilbo? in the car um, under a tree. Well, naturally Bilbo. He was um, he had hairy feet and he was um, a burglar whenever it came to food. <laughs> so he had to be called Bilbo. It was the only possible name. Yeah. So anyway, we left Bilbo in the car and I'd made uh, a whole round, several rounds of salmon and cucumber sandwiches. And when we got back, he'd eaten every single sandwich and every single thing and every single sandwich except the cucumber. There were little <laughs> rounds of cucumber strewn all over the back seat. <laughs> so Bandit is the lowest in the pecking order. So she often gets pecked. And I, I bring her inside the house and I check that she doesn't have any actual cuts on her and I spray her with anti-peck spray. And while she's doing that, it finds it she finds it quite stressful. So I give her a handful of treats and she does not like millet. And so she can be going through quite a, like an unpleasant procedure where I'm like, I'll turn her upside down and I'll check that her foot's okay. Because for a while I thought she had a cut on her foot and so I was soaking it and, and putting antiseptic in it. And it seemed to heal super fast. But like I was being very proactive and she didn't like it. <laughs> and so she got quite a few handfuls of treats while she waited for the, the sort of thing to soak. And she'd be making these noises like... In, in protest, uh, having to stand in a bucket while her foot soaked. Um, and I would have a handful of treats to kind of distract her every now and again. <laughs> it's the fact that she would go through and like peck through to find her favourite bits, like enthusiastically, nom, 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 nom. And then occasionally she'd just like drop a bit of millet that she might have accidentally pecked up. And then she'd <laughs> just go through like, and she's just like, this is torture. I hate every second of it. Oh, but not millet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very cruel of you to try and give her millet. I think she ought to go to the chickens' union. <laughs> well, it's in a mixed bag of treats. So, I, mean, I know, I know, but for yeah. heaven's sake, you mean you haven't actually gone through and extracted all the millet? I know. <laughs> what sort of owner are you? <laughs> I know I'm terrible. <sighs> now, Lyd, you offered to bring a chicken oh, in. I will go get a chicken, yeah. I'll get Ooh. one before they put themselves to sleep. Very exciting. So glad we're recording this. <laughs> Something that Lydia was talking about that with the chickens running past the door reminds me a lot of... So Tika is a smart dog. She's very good at learning. 
but uh, she'll be on the deck and I'll be in the yard and I'll be calling her and she'll be at the railing closest to me and she'll she'll just kind of look at me like, how do I get down there? Even though there's <laughs> stairs, but to get down the stairs, she has to move away from me first. Oh. So <laughs> sometimes she does that same thing and I'm just like, you know where the stairs are. Go <laughs> use it. <laughs> oh. Oh, what, have we got chicken? The chicken has entered the room. We have a chicken. <laughs> yeah, Helen, I think you're going to have to put warning chicken eating mealworm sounds in the content. <laughs> yeah, baby? You want to sing? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know if you can see her. Yeah. But like she she likes she likes to sit on my arm. So you can see I'm not actually holding her. She's just like literally sitting on my arm like a I mean, like a raptor, I guess. Yeah. Oh, is this raptor? This is raptor. The other ones don't like being held as much. Oh. Like they, you know, static likes uh, to be held and stroked for like precisely 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby, I know. I know. Here you go. (gasps) Bribery. Yes. (laughs) Someone's got me away. Oh, what a good bird. Makes me miss my chickens, even if they were evil. <laughs> my baby. That's a microphone. Don't eat it. Yeah. Don't. Yeah, don't let her peck the microphone. <laughs> it would make for an interesting sound. It would. Maybe we could use it for Foley. Aww. Yeah, I, I, I think you're getting a lot, a nice variety of squeaks. Yeah, they're lovely. Oh, my baby. Yeah, you're right. Yes, you. Oh, a tall bird. She's a a very tall bird. So tall. Tall chicken. (laughs) Raptor, what is your opinion on your living conditions? And um, what what do you think about the meaning of of the the pet-human relationship, huh? Not much. Silence. There we are. Some squeaking. Got some squeaking. Are you spoiled? No, she says no. I don't know. I don't want this to dominate. You know. No, like, that's okay. I just got a baby chicken. I think. I think on these interesting contributions from Raptor, we will go to a break. <laughs> She's like, "Where's my percentage?" <laughs> Hello, everyone. Helen here to tell you about a new show on the RQ network called How It Ends. This bi-weekly slow burn audio drama intertwines grief, dreams, memory and mystery. The protagonist, Micah Jones, has suffered from night terrors and a frightening recurring dream ever since her father died suddenly when she was nine. With the help of her friends, Micah starts a podcast to explore her nightmares. But information surrounding her father's death and a terrifying event from her past, sends all of them down a path that proves secrets never stay buried, and dreams can unlock the truth. Sometimes, dreams are not dreams at all, they're memories. How It Ends is an independently produced podcast out of Providence, Rhode Island, USA. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit www.howitendspodcast.com for more information. Happy listening, everyone. And welcome back. We're all very glad for those words of wisdom mm-hmm, from Raptor mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of the wisdom of our pets, I'd like to ask 
Has anyone taught their pets any interesting tricks or or seen a pet demonstrate how 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 should I put this unimagined mischief <laughs> such as a dog figuring out how to open a door or in fact I saw a video of a bear trying to get into someone's house and like actually started messing around with the front door knob and the person just ran up to it and quickly locked it and then ran away again oh my gosh if I go first because it'll be very quick chickens are very trainable I've heard I don't know if mine are just then refusing <laughs> I've I've taught Raptor step up, which took a while. Mm-hmm. And for a while, she just thought she needed to whack my hand with her claws and then she would get a treat. So I could really have gotten a handshake <laughs> thing out of that as well. But the, the main thing is I you would be hard-pressed to find an animal that is more attuned to the sound of an opening plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> like it, crisps, not safe. They don't want crisps. They want mealworms, but they know what the mealworm packet sounds like and they know roughly where it is in the house. So they're like, <laughs> they can see when I've walked in the right direction and they get very excited. That That's it. That's all the tricks they know. That's okay. Oh, they do come when I whistle. Oh, that's quite impressive, I think. It's quite funny seeing like the undergrowth wobble as they run towards me. <laughs> we used to say... um ducks, 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 and then the ducks would all come waddling. (laughs) So the funny thing, too, is that hearing that your chickens come when you whistle makes me a little bit sad because Tika is very stubborn about coming. (laughs) She kind of looks at me sometimes if she doesn't want to leave whatever she's doing and just to look at me and then go do something else. And I'm like, you know what I'm asking of you. I know you know it. We've done the training. You can do it. You're just choosing not to. But recently I've started to train her um, with a buzzword. So you're always supposed to have a buzzword that you don't frequently use where you give them a really, really high incentive treat every time so that you can call your dog to you in an emergency situation. So if they're like going toward the street and there's a car or they're, you know, just something where you need them to come immediately, no questions asked. Yeah. And that's supposed to be a different word than come because come is what you're using regularly and they might choose to ignore it. Yeah. You need a word that they will not choose to ignore. So I've started to train her with that and we're using the word hot dog. So I just go hot dog and then she comes <laughs> running and it's so cute. And the other day she was at the fence getting all antsy because there was someone passing with the dog and I was on the porch looking down and I said hot dog and I got a hot dog for her and she like looked at me looked at the fence made this pitiful little whimper whine and then ran to me (laughs) so it is working which is nice but I have to retrain her on on actually coming as well but my favorite trick that she does that we've taught her is called go find I mean, I love in your place where you point at her crate and you say in your place and she'll go in it (gasps) and it's really cute. And then she'll wait for you to let her come out again. But go find is where you you show her one of her toys, you let her sniff it, you make her lie down and stay and you go hide it somewhere in the house. And it can be anywhere. It can be like on a chair, under a chair, behind a wall, behind a door. You know, you can put it wherever you want. And then you just say, go find. And she'll go off and she'll sniff it out and she'll find it. And it might take her a bit. She might ask you for a bit of help, but she'll go find it. And then she'll bring it to you and be like, look at what I did. And you can always tell if she's found it because she does this little prance walk that you can hear her nails on the floor. Like, (laughs) so proud. That's really cool. That's sweet. 
Cressy doesn't have any tricks at all, but uh, we do. <laughs> She's trained us. This is the point, you know. She um, she very rarely does very much mewing, but um, it, we put food in her dish. And if it's not the food she wants, the flavour she wants, she'll stand there and look at us with a particular look. And we know we have to try and find <laughs> some more food for her. A better flavour, you see. Tuna, for example. She's very happy with tuna, but not so happy with other sorts of fish. So, yeah, I don't think she's got any tricks at all. But as I say, we've got quite a number now. <laughs> what about uh, Bilbo? Did he have any? <laughs> oh, bless him. He would do anything as long as he was rewarded with something edible. Oh. So he would lie, he would sit, he would wait, he would uh, give his paw to shake, you know. Break into a mountain and get oh, your absolutely. goblet. absolutely, <laughs> you know, Fort Knox. Um, <laughs> Although I think Fort Knox has only got gold in it. If it had had, I don't know, hamburgers or something, he'd have been there. <laughs> but on the other hand, if you didn't have a treat for him, and he knew perfectly well, of course, whether you were holding something or not, he wouldn't do anything really. He'd sit, I suppose. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a he was a very clever dog when food was concerned and really stupid for everything else. Or perhaps very clever because yeah. he yeah, knew well, he wouldn't get anything for it. Well, exactly. So he's like, why would I do this? Exactly. The Spaniels, of course, are gum dogs. Oh. And so we th- we thought um, it would be a good idea to train him and um, get him a really obedient and so on. So we took him when he was very, very young to a huge open-air leisure centre near where we lived, which did dog training classes. And unfortunately, it also had a gun range a little way off. And whenever he heard a gun, he just dropped to his belly and cowered and gave little tiny whimpers. So, you know, and, and then we tried to get him to retrieve. And he'd run after a ball or whatever it was you threw, a stick or whatever, no problem. And then he'd get to it and then he'd sit there. And if you approached him to try and get it he'd he'd sort of it wasn't exactly a growl but he he wanted to keep it you know he wouldn't bring it back so he had to go and and sort of rest it away from his jaws and then throw it again and and the same thing would happen again i mean really as a gun dog he was utterly useless (laughs) oh and he hated water as well he fell in the in a canal, lots and lots of canals in Birmingham. Oh, more canals in Birmingham than in Venice. And um, when he was a very tiny puppy, we were walking him along. There was no one around, so we let him off the lead. And he didn't realise that water was different from land, oh. so he just sort of walked straight into the canal. And it was the world's work to get him out again because of course he doggy paddled. It wasn't he was swimming all right, but the bank was very, very steep, almost vertical. Mm. Um, and he was about two foot down. We got him out in the end, but after that he hated water. Mm. And um, if, if you took him down to the beach, he would look at the water, look at the waves, and then he'd run at the waves, barking at them. <laughs> So when you say he hated water, it wasn't like he avoided it. It was like he had a grudge. No, he did avoid it. He wouldn't go in. <laughs> he had a he, he would just stand at the verge. And, and if the water came anywhere near him, he'd retreat very fast. Oh, for the first time in my life, I have a dog who does not mind. Okay, no, she she doesn't really like water, but she doesn't mind it at the same time. She'll go in up to like her legs and stuff. She won't go in past where she can't stand anymore. But 
I have the cutest videos of her when we first got her and we went camping and we were at this little lake that had nice little waves going and she was like biting at the bugs uh, that were above the water. And so she'd go into the water, she'd go and she'd be biting at the at the bugs or she'd be trying to bite the waves that were coming at her because they like did little foam tops and she thought that that was very interesting. <laughs> and then every once in a while, she was attached by a rope to like a clip because we didn't have a leash for her yet. And so it was this big carabiner with a big rope knot on it. And she'd look down while she was in the water and she'd see this red thing hanging there and she'd grab it by like the end of the knot, by the knot, and she'd carry it out. So she kept like grabbing her own leash in her mouth and carrying it out of the water. And then she'd go back in and be going for the bugs again. And then she'd see the rope again and she'd carry it very carefully out of the water. And it's just the cutest thing. And her little muzzle was all wet. And recently we went to the beach with her and she was dragging bull kelp out of the ocean. And we kept putting it back in, like stop trying to, you know, destroy the local ecosystem. And then she thought it was a great game and she would go and take it out again and drag the bull kelp along the beach she's very cute i I was thinking when when you said sue about bilbo being very clever about food and and not much else that is the thing where the chickens won't necessarily listen to any command until it's you know i've done it a million times but they are so aware of whether i actually have a treat in my hand yeah or or whether i'm faking like Sometimes they get a bit stuck coming back, like when I whistle for them to return. And I always whistle and give them the treat at the same place at the entrance to their run. So they come back, they know where I, where to go. Um, and I've kind of taken them out carefully to like a few of the places that they might escape to in future and shown them the way back. So they could potentially find their way back or at least, you know, find their way nearly back so I can I can grab them if they do escape or they get lost. And sometimes if one of them's late and the rest of them are in there and they're demanding treats for having been so good and turned <laughs> up, I have to like pretend I'm throwing more treats in because I only had one handful. And like, you know, a dog would fall for that, but a chicken, <laughs> you do it, you throw it and they look down and they look at you and they're like, weird, no. <laughs> What do you think we are? <laughs> Fools. I have a PhD in this. No. Like, and I've tried really hard to like generalize the command. So it's not just when Lydia goes into the house, grabs something that sounds like rustling plastic, then walks back to the run, then whistles, then you get a treat, because then they might pick up on any part mm. of that. I so I try to like hide some treats in my hand and then walk around the garden doing other things and then go there and whistle. But they're like, oh no, we know there's treats there. We know. So they're just following me around, like <laughs> stepping on, like underneath my feet. Or I'll I'll like go in and I'll walk to another place and then I'll walk somewhere else and then I'm just like, oh no, what's over here? Or like sometimes I've hidden treats above the run so that I can go there, grab the treats and then whistle. And they're just like, they are baffled but they're impressed it's like a magic trick wow he did half the command i know it's like three stage thing there's the walking bit there's the rustly bit i don't know if they've got the whistle as the actual reason yet but Mm. we're getting there so here's a question that's just occurred to me now i i've never had a pet apart from a mouse that i caught for a few hours (laughs) (laughs) I i managed to catch it and I put it in a bucket because that was the nearest available. In fact, no, I think I think I said, Dad, where to put this mouse? And he gave me a bucket. And then I put a turnip in the bucket 
for the mouse to eat, but the turnip was was like long and thin enough that it could be used as a ramp and the mouse immediately ran away. <laughs> oh, poor baby Helen. Because my mum doesn't like animals. She said I could have a goldfish, but obviously I wasn't going to settle for that. So I'd like to know, like, what do you think is like the best thing about having a pet? That's a good question. I can speak for the best thing about having a dog specifically. Oh, yeah? Because, I I mean, I've had, you know, ducks and chickens and stuff, but they were really more for the farming aspect. Mm. So I didn't ever really consider them pets. The reason why I think that having a dog is just like the best thing in the world is because it's an unmatched level of complete adoration and trust and love. Mm. And receiving that from another creature, it makes me feel like I'm worthy of it in general because I'm like providing for this creature. And she just looks at me and I know she loves me so much. And I think that that's something that's really important is to feel that kind of love and know that like I deserve this and I deserve it from the world and I am loved and I love equally back and I would I would murder for this creature you know (laughs) Um, anyway that's like the reason why I love Tika so much and and dogs in general is just that amount of care that's so nice oh Tessa so like as a kid we had pet rats mm. and like, I mean, ones bought from like a pet rat breeder, like not ones that you just caught in the garden. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I just have to say that for like, cause obviously we lived in a small place in the inner city. And so having a dog was not like, we didn't have the money for a dog mm. and people nearby t- did sometimes like keep a massive German shepherd in their tiny flats. And it was just like, that's not okay. Yeah. yeah. I know like it's different with when you've got space. So we had pet rats and so rats on like puzzle solving intelligence tests tend to do a bit better than cats and a little bit better than smart dogs. So they're around the level of like a medium intelligent dog. And they play such clever games with you and they're so interested in you. And I think it's a wonderful thing as a child to not be the smallest one in a household Mm. and to have someone that is vulnerable that you need to be careful of and around and someone whose well-being in part relies on you and you see your behavior reflected back. And I've got friends where they've got small children and cats that has to be very carefully supervised, especially when the kids are small, but it's so valuable to have, I, oh, you know, as the child, I'm not the only one who gets their needs met when they ask without like necessarily having power in the place there's there's other creatures here that I have some power over and that might scratch me if I do something wrong. They're not like there's there's creatures in this household that are not caregivers to me mm. and that I have to work out my relationship with. And I think at almost all ages that's super Yeah, I think at all ages that's super valuable for kids, whether or not it's like them being very small or as they get a bit older and like, I just remember marveling at the intelligence of this tiny creature that had like worked out how to climb up the back of a like chest of drawers and weave its way through the insides of a printer and then <laughs> swing its body backwards so that it pulled out the drawer. 
at the top of a filing cabinet, which is where we'd had to hit, hide the treats as a last resort. And this rat was blind that had oh, managed wow. to do it. It done it all by sound and feel. And like, because a lot of rats, uh, albino rats can't really see. Mm. So yeah, it was like the fact that marveling at the intelligence of them, marveling at the the fact that they, they'll play games like, you know, hide and seek, and you can train them quite complex sets of behaviors. Um, and, you know, you see that you put, give them a little bath to swim in and they hunt out the little peas and, oh, and you can race them up the stairs. It's great. Oh, of course. They're, they're very, they're very clever things. But yeah, I think in a, in a, it's a related thing to, to what Tess is saying of like you, I think kids are often feel quite powerless. And so to have another creature that's trying to find its way in the world without completely controlling its situation mm. is super important and then when you're older it is good for humbleness and be like <laughs> i think of myself as a quiet intelligent and capable human person but i cannot understand why this chicken is dissatisfied <laughs> like i have to make sure that their life is good mm. and they in return they get to yell at me mm. And they give me breakfast, which is cool, you know. Like I tell people who make other pet choices, you know, when did your cat last make you brunch? Has your dog ever contributed to dinner? Well, she's tried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other thing as well, which related to pets and children, mm. uh, which is, I'm not sure whether I ought to say this, but I have to say it really. Mm. It teaches children about death mm-hmm. because pets, for the most part, die before we do. Yeah. And unless you have a parrot or a tortoise, their lifespan is pretty short, unfortunately. Yeah. And, of course, the, the smaller the animal, the, you know, your, your rats, your mice, your rabbits, they don't live very long. Cats and dogs live a bit longer, but, you know, still not massively. Children have to learn to cope with death yeah. and cope with sorrow mm. and... Uh, so do we all, <laughs> you know. I, I, I talked about Cressy, and we don't know quite how old she is because she was a rescue cat. But you know, we don't know how much longer she has left, and we've lost many, many cats, and of course Bilbo and rabbits and minor birds and lemmings and all the other animals that we've had. And in the end, I think that too is is part of because it's part of life. Mm. I think it's very valuable. Yeah, it's really interesting to be able to look back. And think about how much you took from a relationship with a creature that wasn't human. Like I, I had three pet rats because they lived about they lived between three and four years mm. for us, which our, the vets told us was extraordinary. They hadn't seen a rat over two. <laughs> rats aren't supposed to like when you turn them upside down because that's a dominance thing. But like ours knew that they would get tickled so much that like they were fine <laughs> when they got a bit older and the vets needed to give them checkups so they're like oh they're a delight Mm -hmm. but is the fact you know there's i i think about buttons and his like the way he kept his baby fur when he was older and he was so soft and he he liked to just lie on you and be soft Mm. and his brother cloud that was the like the blind one that would run around solving puzzles all day and like it was just (laughs) is that that kind of like the way they were so different and yeah the way that Emmy would just, she was just so dainty. She would hold her tail up Mm. over the ground, whereas rats often let them drag in the, like, drag along. And so they can sometimes get rashes and stuff, just even if you keep things quite clean because they'll drag their tail along the ground. She was just so dainty. She would just hold her tail Mm. up and she 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 was very picky about the food that she ate. (laughs) That was something we'd never seen in another rat. 
And they're like these tiny things that have a whole kind of inner world of politics. They have their relationship with you. They have their own little routine. And I, I think one of the weird things is that you can get that very much from a relationship with wild animals as well. Like before I got the chickens, I fed the wild birds around here and I, I put quite a lot of effort into making sure it was good mealworms and good stuff and it was in a nice position. So we got like loads of birds and this is central London, but like, you know, robins, great tits, blue tits, too many starlings, obviously parakeets. Yeah, And that's like after, you know, you've got all the other kind of bigger ones that are interested in trying to hunt the smaller mm. ones. So like the magpies and the crows are, are kind of wandering around. The seagulls go past and everything goes silent. It's just so lovely to learn like the routine of a wild animal. Mm-hmm. I knew when the robin was coming around. That's that's his time of day. I knew when it was robin mating season because goodness, they would fight violently <laughs> in my in my back garden. I knew the two different families of great tits that were going through and they had two different routines. There was the big family that would come through in the morning and then there were two, I think, males that came through very quickly and very nervously in the afternoon. So I think they were like intruding on the other one's territory because they couldn't like mm. hold their own space. And it's, it's those kind of, those animals get to learn who you are and you learn who they are. And it, it just reminds you that humans, are, they change the world, right? Like yeah. they're, they're big clonking things that make big technology. But there, there are other ways of being and living and existing and having, then they're very important and they're just as complicated yeah. and, and interesting often. Now, we're nearly out of time. So I have one quick fire round question to ask, which is what is the non-domestic animal that you think would be a fun pet to have? Obviously, do not try and have an exotic pet if you cannot care for it, obviously. Mm. And I would argue there are many animals that should never be kept in captivity. But like, it would be really cool. Maybe not to like have in the house, but like to have like a wolf <laughs> who came by to visit. I think wolves are really, really cool. Yeah, some, somebody read Robin Hobb repeatedly at key points in development. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out, Lydia. Like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good series of books, that one. But they are, I thought... I thought wolves were cool well before I read about Robin Hobb and Night Eyes and all that. <laughs> One of the first short stories I ever wrote was about a wolf and another wolf having a fight. That was when I was reading Jack London mm. books. Ah, yes, Jack London. <laughs> yeah. Call of yeah. the Wild, White Fang. That's, that's yes. basically, yes. yeah, a series of books about how wolves are cool. Yes, <laughs> I, that has totally influenced me. And like, I, it would be cool to just like if there were wolves in the same way that there are foxes in London. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be. It would be terrifying, but also... I'd be a little more, more nervous about late night commutes, yeah. Because <laughs> I always love it when I see a fox running around. I used to. I think foxes are really cool as well. And now, nemesis. Anyway. <laughs> I doubt that Lydia would agree with you about foxes. Look, foxes are absolutely <laughs> fine. We actually have quite a good agreement with the local ones. And that sounds like a joke, but... <laughs> There is absolutely no point in harming a fox in London yeah. because the population density is so high that if you in any way hurt one, it's like territory will just be replaced by another one. Not that I intend to ever, or I just I just think there's both the moral and the logical argument, right? So I just have a water gun <laughs> and we also put down uh, chilli powder. 
like I've never trapped a mouse, but we got rid of mice mice very effectively by just mixing chili powder into the chicken's feed because birds can't taste peppers. Oh, that's really smart. That's interesting. It's a defense mechanism evolved against mammals to stop us from eating things that the plants want birds to eat and to disperse. So they're very tasty to birds if they can taste them at all. That's really cool. Yeah, so like now we just don't have mice, or at least the mice are hiding from me. (laughs) But like I've never hurt them, except I suppose probably they're... Their little eyes ran a little at the... It was very spicy in there for a while. Like, it's very spicy in the chicken run. But what... Can you think of a non-domestic animal you think would be cool to have around? So the awkward thing is that my immediate thought was a parrot, but obviously people keep parrots. But I would really like to have an ongoing friendship with one of the local parakeets, Mm. you know? I can't really... Because there's the contamination risk between if I encourage wild birds in the same area as those chickens, it's not a great idea. But if I did not have the chickens, I would be putting out food and interesting bird toys and things and and seeing if I could establish a friendship, a non-demanding friendship with the local parakeets. Uh, Or crows. It's just that the crows are a bit more (laughs) standoffish around here. Yeah, they can be. And you've got you've got to have actual jewels to to oh yeah like tempt a crow around. You've <laughs> got here. to bribe the crows exactly, exactly. Whereas the parakeets will make do with just you know a, a shiny mirror and and a bit of corn on the cob. What about you, Sue? What do you think? A rhinoceros. I love rhinos yeah I mean obviously as domestic pets I don't think they'd be terribly good. Not the most convenient either. No, but they just I just love rhinoceroses and they're so threatened in the wild and mm. you know one or two species are more or less vanished now. Yeah. They're just not there. Poachers go for them because of the horns. Yeah. So So you would like instead of those pesky little certificates that say you have adopted a rhinoceros and it's just sponsoring one far away. You want one in the back garden? No, we have. We have. We we do sponsor a World Wildlife Fund uh, rhinoceros and we get updates occasionally and it seems to be doing quite well. It's black rhino. Aww. But if I had a huge estate, like Longleat, yeah. you know, I wouldn't bother with lions. I just have rhinos. <laughs> And what about you, Tessa? Uh, my mind immediately went to like a whole bunch of mythical creatures and oh. then I couldn't stop thinking about them. So I was just like, man, uh, like a phoenix <laughs> or like a baby dragon, a sphinx. But uh, circling back, something like a squirrel, flying squirrel Aww. would be cool. Just something that could kind of crawl up in your sleeve, hang out there and then... I don't know. I want a small companion. I would want a small fuzzy companion. Mm. Tessa, have you have you heard of sugar gliders? Yes, I have, but they need a friend. Right. So you would have to have two. Mm-hmm. And I want a creature that loves me more than anything else in the world. So <laughs> Okay. Cool. That's why I have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I like to have pets that are at best indifferent. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I think that brings us to the end. And do you know what? We've made it through the entire episode without me talking about my horse girl days, but maybe that's uh, for another time. Oh, that's a bummer. (laughs) I would have liked to hear about that. (laughs) We'll do an episode just about horses. Because I I think that that might come up in the, like, identity politics episodes more. (laughs) (laughs) We are not doing an episode on identity politics, (laughs) Lydia. How dare you? It's not your favourite thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. So on that, <laughs> thank you all so much for talking about animals and your pets with me. This has been oddly serious at point. <laughs> yeah. But super, super interesting as always. Thank you so much. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have. And I'll see you in the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Do you want to say goodbye, everybody? Bye. Bye, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Thank you.